the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. It's going. I got some weird spilkus in my gazoink. Go on. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, I think it's a combination of just working a lot and being tired and being around children uh, who always have weird shit floating around. And you know, oh, you're actually not feeling well. Not like an emotional thing, a physical thing. No, sorry, I didn't. Yeah, it was like literally spilkus in my gazoink. That's what it is. Although yeah. I now realize that spilkus is probably the wrong word to use considering our language. <laughs> I thought like um, Spilkes is like anxiety, like Munch Spilkes. It is, it is, it okay. is. And so I didn't use it correctly. You're absolutely right. Oh, okay. How are you feeling then? Emotionally, I'm okay. Um, although I do need to, I'm going to need to get off at 9.30 because, um, or actually 9.20 because I have a last minute meeting with my therapist. Uh, yesterday was um, the bar mitzvah orientation for the boy and uh, the ex brought her fiance there and uh um the first thing that i noticed is that my my kid was just like stressed like he was just stressed being there there was something about it um and so instead of two parents you know trying to encourage him and whatnot he had three and i think that was a lot for him because he just kept responding negatively to it um and so i think i need to talk to my ex about you know, what it's like when all three of us are there, what the dynamic looks like. I'm sure he's coming from a good place, the fiance, and at the same time, I don't know that it was helpful. I mean, it makes you feel better. I don't think he should have come to the meeting <laughs> either. I struggle with this in terms of like, what are the appropriate boundaries, right? And what is, you know, what, what, I, what are fights I just don't want to have, right? And does it come off as controlling? She already asked if he could be, you know, involved in the bar mitzvah in some way, right? The, there's a, in progressive communities, they'd like to do this passing of the Torah ritual. Um, and she asked if he can be involved in that. I was like, absolutely not. I was like, you may be getting married to him, but he's not that type of person in our son's life in which he would be involved in that sort of thing. Well, yeah. that sucks. I'm it sorry. does suck. I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. How have you been otherwise? I've been great have we talked since i got back from europe again i don't think oh, no. so okay <laughs> wait a second so you've taken two trips to europe recently right in like the last month it's, it was one no, long no, trip. No, no, no. one long trip and then my kids met me there because they had winter break right so because the last time we talked you were in prague i was in budapest budapest okay yeah and then i met my kids and then we went skiing in Europe. Oh, um, that's so wonderful. It was amazing, amazing. Were you um, the only adult there? Do you have other family that you No, know, my sister who lives in Israel, that's why this trip happened is because yeah. it was kind of a halfway meeting point for both of us. Sure. And so much cheaper. It really, really? It was so cheap, considering. I mean, right, it was right. cheaper than me taking my kids to Colorado on a ski trip, on a week-long oh, ski Oh, that trip. I can, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went to like a pretty low key. We didn't do any fancy ski resort, any Switzerland, you know, anything like that. So it was low key. My my kids could have used like one notch higher in terms of skill level and a little bit more runs, but it was 
really empty because it was during the week and it, you know, and super cheap. I mean, lift tickets for like $20 a day in America, oh, wow. $200 a day, yeah, right? crazy. Um, so, and yeah, it was just, and so beautiful. It's so, I just like showing my kids the world. And so look at this world. <laughs> Go see Isn't it. Isn't it great? Uh, yeah, exactly. So oh, yeah, it was so great. And so the past two weeks, I guess, or I don't even know if it's been two weeks. I've just been, I was away for so long. So it was coming back, adjusting oh, to the time, reality and all that fun stuff. I remember um, the first time I took a significant trip after the pandemic and it was only like a week. Um, we flew home, we flew back to Jersey for Passover. And it was the first time I've seen family in so long. And I remember coming back afterwards and talking with a friend and just like needing a moment to break and like cry for a second because I'd realized I'd been on like such a routine and structure. And that was the first time I had an opportunity to break from it. And I was like, I don't know where the time went. It was crazy. It was this weird readjustment just coming back. That's funny. I miss my structure when I'm traveling. <laughs> I come home and I love it. I'm like, oh, yes, routine. Jesus. So good for me. Uh, okay. So, yeah, All that's right. what's new in my life. Just, just readjusting back now to America schedule. We're mid-year. My son's applying to colleges which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, Where do you think he's going to go? He really wants to go to Israel next year. Mm -hmm. um, and so <clears throat> I'm, I'm not super supportive of it, but he'll likely go. <laughs> he usually gets his way. Mm. Um, and I just- Stopping him probably creates more of a problem than you need anyway. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm always torn with, this is the, like the first time, like he's, he's now at an age, like he's going to be 18. And so I, it's been a very, this is a much deeper, bigger conversation about my, where I'm at, my personal views versus where my kid's at. So he wants to go spend the year studying, like learning. And I think it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, do anything. Like, I'd rather give you that money for you to go travel the world. Like to me, that's a better value for my money. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not what he wants. And he's also very social, mm. very connected with his group of friends. So mm. they're all going. And he also really values the experience of learning. Mm -hmm. And so now we're getting to this place of, well, do I have to pay for that? Mm. <laughs> you know, like, right. you know, if he's nine and I, I understand that I've kept them in their form world. And so I should really cater to him, to them in some degree. Mm -hmm. But now it's a different conversation of where does my obligation stop and start with mm -hmm. when our values aren't aligned so much mm -hmm. um, so we'll see it's a new frontier of, is this like a program that he's going on or is he enrolling somewhere? yeshiva like it's a yeshiva oh, okay. program all right okay. it's so much money yeah and it, <laughs> it's just so much money and i just don't feel like he's getting anything out of it like i guess people can argue that college tuition is also a shit ton of money but you get a degree at the end um and there's advanced you know there's a lot of value in the experience of it of living yeah. independently uh and you know being in this foreign country that he's familiar with to some degree so it's a good launching place for independence i don't know if it's worth the price tag um and then i'm concerned about the precedent so if he goes then my daughter is going to want to go and i'm more nervous about girls programs they're far more 
brainwashy yeah and and you know and you know so I'm, i just yeah I, i'm not like, sure these are like <laughs> major conversations to have they are they are I, I just i'm pretty certain he's gonna end up going and so we really just have to talk about how how like what are the, how, what's he paying for what am i paying for what are the expectations here um but yeah that that's that's where we're at and it's crazy that he's leaving are you concerned about their you know like you've made this leap from really from you know culture and community to something completely different from it do you have concerns for them in that same way that he'll become not religious or he'll go more religious it'll go more religious i mean you said brainwash you and you know you talked about the girls I'm not so nervous. Each of my kids has a different relationship to religion and spirituality. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so my son is more of a contrarian. <laughs> so I'm not so concerned, especially if he gets a hint that someone's trying to coerce and manipulate or brainwash, he'll argue. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll, he don't, doesn't want to allow himself to be coerced. So he'll argue in defense. Um, my daughter's a little bit different. She's got a different relationship to spirituality and that right or wrong and wanting to be accepted in a certain way. And so, and, and girls, they push, like they push to get married. They push them to stay in Israel. They push a certain lifestyle, marry somebody who is learning. Um, and so, and you know, like they don't push the boys in the same way. Really interesting. Yeah. How do they push the boys? Study, study, study. Study, study, study. There, I, 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 I think I'm assuming a lot here because I've never been in the yeshiva, but I was in seminary, and so yeah. uh, it was such a waste of my time. <laughs> really? Why? Yeah. You you say that now, or you knew that then? I think. Um, no, I didn't know that then. I say that now. I actually, yeah. I might have known it then. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just. Yeah, my seminary. <laughs> it's just like. I didn't. I, I actually went for two years, and I fought with my parents to try and go back for a third year. Really? To me, it was independence. To me, I was finally free. Sure. But um, by the way, when you say seminary, I hear the word rabbinical school, right? But when you say seminary, what do you mean? That's what it's called. Like the girls' yeshiva program is seminary. It's uh -huh. kind of an extension of a religious high school. So sure. it's it's a program where you're supposedly immersed in Torah study all day, mm -hmm. but it's in Israel. Um, mm -hmm. I was very unimpressed with the administration of the school. Mm -hmm. I, it feels very much like profit run. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the school that's set up technically, hypothetically for this spiritual enlightenment mm -hmm. didn't feel like that was actually what was happening. And, you know, they were not practicing what they were preaching. And so it was mm -hmm. very hypocritical in many ways. And so it just feels like a money-making business and, and they, they take on so many girls, they jam pack you into these little houses. And oh. um, it's such an opportunity. You have people who are coming, like there's money, there's resources, there's so much that could be done. And giving back to the other communities, exploring, traveling, you know, exposing these girls to so many different things, doing interesting projects, and none of that is capitalized. It's just like sticking girls in classrooms, telling them how they should dress more modest, marry young, have children, support husbands in learning. Um, 
I know I'm sounding really bitter right now, but <laughs> no, I, th I think you sound like a parent who's been through the experience that you imagine your children's going through and you're speaking from perspective and wisdom. I, and, you know, and it, you made a deliberate choice, right? Which one? The, the, the community, the decision to step out and lead a different lifestyle, right? You've done that, you know, from an informed perspective. Yeah. What's funny is that when I was in it, when I was in seminary, I was, I was, I was, I bought in. Yeah. And... Well, you yeah. kind of have to. Yeah. I used to joke because there's like, you know, FFB is from, from birth. <laughs> you heard that? I so, have, yes. so I, when I was in seminary, I'm like, I'm FFC. I'm from, from choice. <laughs> 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 like I have now spent time here in Israel and I am choosing this. <laughs> so I've come a long way from being an FFC. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Oh, so we'll see it's this never-ending conversation about what does it look like when you were raised religious got married religious yeah. keep your kids in the system and then yeah. you're no longer in that system and there's a lot of things to navigate it's kind of a little bit unchartered it may also i mean i think about like i t keep telling my boy well i don't keep telling him this but i've like I wonder if I'm going to need to have a conversation with them at some point where I'm like, don't become a rabbi. Just don't do that. Like it was, it was I, at this point, I'm thinking about trying to find a, a degree in psychotherapy in some way. And so I'm like inching closer to narrowing in on a program that is not only affordable, but also doable, right. With a, a working schedule. Um, Cause it's just, this is and particularly in divorce land, right. Where I'm limited to where I can move geographically. Right. I need something that's going to open up, you know, employment opportunities and being a rabbi just is really limiting in that way. So I'm going to have to invest some more time if I want that freedom. Um, and so part of me is like, you guys need to think carefully about your jobs. Like, A, you need to get a job that's recession proof, right? And B, it's got to be a job that can, you know, survive through a pandemic. Um, you know, there's so many people who need therapy now and so few therapists. That's what I keep hearing all over the place. I see it in print. I hear it from you know, friends who are therapists, all that stuff that they're just jam packed and they have no room for other people. And it's, I better get into it now if I'm going to make that transition. So do it. Yep. It'd be great. I think I appreciate great. that. Thank you. Yeah. And you've got such a strong background foundation for it. Right. That's so maybe there's something that I'll take credit or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, just do it. Just start, start, you know, it will take time, but I really struggled when I was in school like and then when you graduate you have to do your hours you know you think you're done and then you've got like another two years of hours right. to get licensure and that was the place where i struggled of, do i want to get licensure or do i want to take my education and go into coaching right like nobody really cares at the end of the day nobody has ever called me and said can you show me your degree or your right. <laughs> your right. your license you know it's all word of mouth and I really struggle. Like, is it worth it? But I kind of think it, it is worth it. Um, I think ultimately in the end it is just in case. Right. And I think because that just in case is really big, like that could fuck you over if you're not right. Lit, legit in that way. And I think well, it, actually, yeah. you have a lot more freedom as a coach because with license, that's true. Subject to a lot of rules and regulations. And so there's a lot more freedom, but it, it is very good for, I mean, I can speak only for myself of like, it's kind of that stamp of approval of like, you know, I've got something 
very foundational. I have the backing. I went through the whole thing. I, you know, I can look at the wall and say like, I've done this. I have licensure. Um, not that coaches don't go through a lot of training as well, but um, it is the wild west. I mean, that's part of the difficulty with it is that anyone can call themselves a coach. And a lot of it's just based on your own personal life experience. And there really are no ethical regulations to it. Yeah. I think a, a really good part is like an interesting, like arch of like getting the licensure, working in the clinical world gives you a lot of validity and experience and then actually coming back to coaching, like let go of the regulations, but it's probably where I'll end up um, is, you know, but, but having that like very um, structured, like backing, I think is, has been good. No question about it. And people value it more. I've also like, given up on the idea of it needing to be a good school. Like I remember being in, you know, younger and be like, I got to go oh, to like bullshit. Yale or Harvard. Right. Exactly. It's like, you just for need sure it. at this stage of the game, that is bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. You just need it. It doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. It truly can be an online school. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think people care about that either. I really don't. Well, they don't know. Right. For real. No one has ever asked me what school I went to. I'm not exaggerating. Right. No client has ever called and said, where did you get your degree? I only see therapists from Harvard. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, I can tell what your problem is, buddy. I went to Harvard every day, but that's because my school. <laughs> was I, had so I had lunch to walk at Yale. through Harvard every day. <laughs> I went to Harvard and then I continued past Harvard. I sat <laughs> in, in classes. <laughs> I sat in in classes at Stanford. When I say sat in, I was in the bathroom next door to the major lecture halls. <laughs> I actually did attend a class in Harvard. So I can say I'll add a little addendum to my diploma, like Leslie University and a class at Harvard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you can always learn for next time. And I and I do I don't think there's anything wrong with over communicating just to be on the safe side, right? So that all expectations can be met, right? And that everyone knows what they're heading into. Um, and again, I still feel like it's presumptuous to think that you're gonna get laid on the first date. I really do. I mean, I I the times that that has happened to me, it's been really surprising. And the time and it's been surprising because A, I didn't think it was gonna happen. Or B, I didn't know I was getting set up for a one night stand. And that's happened to me too. That like, right. and I've realized the signs of it are that like, it's too good to be true. That she <laughs> is really communicative and straightforward. And this is really easy to do, right? It's, it's a, those are red flags for me. If, if what I don't want to have is a one night stand, right? That's then those are red flags to me because it's just too easy. It really is. And I don't think it's ever that easy. Um, that if it's something so interesting. Yeah. But so, hey, I'll tell you about my experience because I've I started this new approach to dating. I'll show you like I've been Xing it off on the calendar and shit. Right. I'm off the apps. Right. All the apps completely not doing it anymore. So what's uh, the X? How many days you've been off the apps? Yeah. OK. How many days have been off, off the Why apps? Is it two right? colors. Well, the other one's for antidepressants. Right. Okay. So off the apps <laughs> on antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> no correlation there's totally a correlation my life is so much better like 180 degrees that is 
funny. Okay, so how are you meeting people? We should be talking about this on a. So we don't have to talk about the antidepressants, but this is. A I don't great care topic. about talking about the antidepressants. That's fine. Um, but so let's keep talking about this. But um, the apps are getting frustrating, right? They really were. I realized that I was turning to them in my like spare moments. Like I'd be in a meeting, I'd be like, "This is fucking boring. Let's swipe." Um, or whatever, right? Um, even time with my kids, and that was distracting. Time in the car, and that's dangerous. Um, I think I got into a little fender bender as a result of it at one point, and the guy was like, don't worry about it, no, no damage, it's okay. Um, so I was really lucky there, but it was also just, um, I wasn't meeting the women I really wanted to meet, like the ones that I would swipe on and think like, I really want her to swipe back on me, for whatever reason, didn't manifest. Um, you know, the app culture as well, how it's just kind of so wishy-washy. Uh, and I just wasn't, you know, and it was funny part about it. Part of the instigation for it was, um, I, I was back East for, um, you know, Hanukkah and New Year's. Um, and like, I forgot to set my phone on travel mode. So all these women were like matching with me and they're like, you don't live in New York. And I was like, no, I don't live in New York, blah, blah, blah. So like, I just left those and that was really aggravating. Um, because I can't do a long distance thing. So I'm not about to start matching with people and getting my hopes up and all that stuff. That's a real pain in the ass. Um, and so I got off of it uh, and I closed down all the profiles, like literally all of them. I didn't even realize how many I had. It was crazy. It was Bumble. It was Hinge. It was Jay Date. It was Jay Swipe. It was The League. It was Facebook dating and it was Field. Um, and it was just so much. And I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. So I'm off of it and I'm not really dating now either. Like my philosophy is if I happen to meet someone who could be really fun to go out with, then sure, I'll go out with this. I'm not going to pass up opportunities, but I do also appreciate the time I just have to myself and then not worrying about like, do I need to work out and look good in this way, right? Or do I need to clean my you know house so thoroughly um, and what type of impression am I making? Um, and admittedly, there's a little part of me that's... <clears throat> You know, like this is LA and it's incredibly superficial. And so finding someone who I feel like doesn't give a shit about the size of the house that I rent, right? Or the fact that I clean it myself or the fact that my car is 15 I years old. I clean my old. house myself too. High five. High five. There you go. <laughs> you know, or the fact that my car is 15 years old in need of cosmetic repair, right? Um, and I teach, right? So it's not like my salary's huge, right? Like I, I don't need that bullshit, right? And so my my idea now is if and when I do go back and I probably will in the spring because my heart's all a flutter around the time that summer comes around. And so if I do go back and when I do go back, I'm going to limit it to two apps at best, right? Which will probably be hinge and bumble. Um, and I'll create my profiles, but I'm not doing any swiping. I'm just going to let them sit out there. And once a week I will go on there. Um, and it'll be, um, you know, I'll go on there when it starts my custody days. And so I'll be able to start conversations with people. And then by the time I feel like I've got to know someone well enough, right, in order to want to take them out, my free time will come up and I'll be able to schedule a date. Um, but I'm not going to do any swiping. And the idea is that I'm going to let them come to me. You have to swipe a little bit. No. You don't match if you don't swipe. Right. No, but what I'm saying is I'm letting them do the swiping first, right? Because Bumble, people can still like you, right? Even if you don't swipe on them. 
if you pay for the membership. You're going to pay for it to see who likes you. Yeah, I would do that. I think that's worth it, right? Um, And I'm only going to do it for like a month at a time, right? It's going to be limited. So um, Uh, I told you I had a Bumble phone. Did we talk about that? A what? A Bumble phone. (laughs) What's a Bumble phone? So I think it's so interesting and we should definitely talk about it. Like, and I actually talked about this with the guy last night. There's first, there's stages that people go through. Like I have gone through everything that you're talking about of like, there's the initial go on the apps and just flirt like right after the divorce and you need to feel good. And then it gets tiring. Like, right. Like feel so good. And then you're like, it's like, you're so, you're so disgusted with yourself and then you get off and then like, okay, let me try it again. It's like, and it's like each time you come back a little bit different. So I got a new phone like a year ago, maybe two years ago. I don't know, but I refused to put any dating apps on the new phone, but I had my old phone, which was still a useful phone. So I called it my Bumble phone, but it had no service. So it only worked with Wi-Fi. So like, I couldn't take it out. It wasn't in my car. (laughs) And so I like, I didn't have it with me all the time. So it was like, truly like maybe by my bedside table, going to bed or something like that. And, And I'm like, I will not put Bumble on my new phone. And I lost my Bumble phone. (laughs) <laughs> and I was telling Chevy I'm like she's like why don't you go on a date I'm like I can't date I, I lost my bumble phone and she's like put it on your phone and I'm like no I cannot put it on my phone anyway recently I, I succumbed and I put bumble back on my phone but um so are you not dating more are you looking for more organic ways to date or you're like not part dating? of it is looking for more organic ways to date part of it is also Again, when I go back on the apps, it's going to be, I'm going to let them decide because at least then I'll know from the get-go, this is some woman who's at the very least moderately interested in me, right? right. Um, so that'll be a good way to start it. Case in point, um, I went out on a date last night with a great woman. Um, How did and, you meet? Okay, so we met on the apps prior to this you know, vacation from them. This was before New Year's. And because I was feeling so frustrated with everything, you know, we'd actually exchange numbers, but like the conversation didn't go anywhere. And I, and by that time I was already feeling the exhaustion from it. Yeah. Um, and there's another story about exhaustion that I want to share regard related to dating that I think would be really good. But um, so, I, and I just let it fall, right. I ghosted her in that way. Um, and there wasn't anything mean by it. I was just exhausted and didn't want to continue a conversation. Yeah. So um uh, so I let it slide. And then all of a sudden, like a week and a half ago or something, she reaches out and she's like, hi, you know, it's so-and-so. Um, I, you know, if you're interested in meeting up just to be friends, that would be great. You know, so we start texting back and forth and we went out last night and I went into it totally with, um, and by the way, if we could get this person on the show, um, she's a dating coach based in New York. She's fantastic. Um, she has this profile on Instagram, I think called a little nudge. Um, but in any event, um, she has this idea of dating that is not attached to outcome, NATO, not attached to outcome, which I think is a great idea. Uh, and, um, and so my point was just like, this isn't, I'm not going for any particular reason here, right? It's not about sex. It's not about relationship, right? It's whatever it is. Uh, and so we went and we had dinner and a couple drinks and it was great. It was just fine and friendly. We had an amazing conversation. It was really lovely. Right. There was, of course, like some moments of romance there and flirtation, which I think are totally natural. Um, we just ended up having a great conversation for a couple hours and we went walking around downtown Pasadena, which was also lovely um, and really just got to know each other. And 
you know, part of it was really talking about things that we're interested in. She's very much, um, she's older than me, you know, and she's 49 and she really wants to have a kid. And I told her I'm, I'm past that, right? That's not what I'm interested in. Uh, and so, of course, there's that separation there. But it was really nice then just kind of like being in that moment and not really being attached to any type of outcome. And it gave us a chance just to really get to know one another. And it, and it was a wonderful time. It really was. So at the very least, I've got a great new friend out of it. Um, and we even joked about like, should we kiss now? Right. Is that something we should be doing? Uh, and so we didn't. Right. There was nothing like that. Right. There was at the at the most. Right. It was walking back from the park. She put her arm right in mine, that sort of thing. We linked up like that. Um, and that was it, you know, and that was really lovely. Um, and that was enough for me. Uh, and I feel like I didn't violate my dating boundaries or anything like that. I still had a wonderful time with another human being who could turn out to be a really great friend. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was really great. That was really great. And and very much fit the, you know, the the structure that I'm trying to apply, which is to say that she reached out Right. And so from her, reach, her reaching out, I got the implication that like, OK, she wants yeah. to have a conversation in some way. Right. And that was OK to me. Have you ever have you heard of the book Calling in the One? No. Oh. You know. Um, conscious Uncoupling, right? Yes. You've heard of that? Yes. So Catherine Woodward, I think that's her name, is the is the creator of that movement and she also has a program called calling in the one so she has a book and a seven it's a seven week program to find the one um you might I, I just got it I'm very on the fence about how I feel about it but I have recommended it to people and clients so I kind of want to see it and I kind of want to go through it and, and see um I just had an idea that that would be an interesting series for us to do of both of us doing this book <laughs> that would be and, talking wow. about our experience like you know kind of checking in across the seven weeks because mm -hmm. uh, I am always like I'm dating and I'm interested in a relationship but then there's a really big part of me is like I don't really want to be saddled <laughs> and so it's like do I want to call in the one it feels oh my rose it feels like a big responsibility but I have to stop my video um so check out the book and that's something that we can. Explore. I think that's a great idea. I also think we should uh, read Elaine de Botton's uh, expanded article on why you'll marry the wrong person. He does a great job analyzing the reasons why people got into relationships to begin with and how much you don't really know about one another. And it's a quick read. Like, you know, you dedicate 30, 45 minutes to it. You'll have to do some thinking because it's deep, um, but it's really quick. And uh, I think it could be fodder for a great conversation. I mean, you brought it up in, in podcasts. Before. Oh, several times. I love it. I think it's a fantastic article. It's incredibly eye-opening. It really is. He does a good job at exploring what, you know, we're really talking about when we talk about love and being in relationship with one another. Um, you know, we often think about this romantic notion of love, which we all know doesn't last. Talk yeah. about couples all the time, finding ways to reignite the flame. And how do you really do that when you really know someone and you're potentially disgusted by them? But you've also committed yourself to them, right? How do you really balance that? And so if the relationship doesn't work out and we know the divorce rates are high um, and I wonder about what marriage will be in 50 years time and a hundred years time, if people will still be getting married and know that a lot of young people are not opting into marriage. I know that a lot of women 
right? Because there's been a significant rise in women being educated, right? And having new opportunities that they're becoming far more selective in who they date. And guys, as a result, and Professor Scott Galloway talks about this all the time, guys are just not meeting that need. They're not as educated. They're not earning as much, right? And he'll be honest about how there are still some patriarchal standards involved in dating, you know, particularly when it comes to women in the sense that like they are looking for someone who can protect them in a certain way, the security involved, right? Without being superficial or materialistic, but nonetheless being someone who's able to match their level of standard in that way. And guys are not meeting that standard for any number of reasons. So all that, that huge constellation is really interesting to me. And so I'm curious to know what marriage will be like in 50 to 100 years or if it'll really exist and what that's going to look like. Um, and even if it does exist, are people still getting together for the same old bullshit generational reasons, or are they doing it for a new reason entirely? Yeah. So, so let me tell you. Check out Calling in the One. Read up about it. Look on her website. See if you're interested. Okay. I have it. I just got it. Okay. I will check it out. Starting today. I also got Esther Perel's game. So we should play that at some point. That could be a lot of fun. I'm not that impressed with it, to be honest. Uh, I it's think a conversational it's, game. It, it, it's not blowing me away. It's okay. like, I mean, we can play it, but it's just, it's her capitalizing on her brand. Um, but yeah, we could have fun with it, but. Uh, you could probably get to know someone better over Cards Against Humanity, because that's how you see dark sides and shit. <laughs> I, I play that it. one with my kids all the time. I play the family edition. They oh. destroy me. Oh, maybe so I'd like the family edition. I hate Cards Against Humanities because it's so it's it's locker room humor. <laughs> it's like, is this where is this is this what we are as a society? But it's locker room humor for everyone. That's just it, right? I I hate it. But I'll try maybe for the family one. Well, different. the family edition is loaded with poop and fart jokes. Just be yeah. <laughs> that there's lots of poop and fart jokes. That makes sense. Totally so makes let me sense. tell you about this though, because this made me feel really good. Um, there was a woman I really fell for a couple of years back and um, I was really interested in like wanting it to go somewhere and it just never happened. Um, there was just a lot of flirtation and there was an amazing connection. Um, and she said a lot of things to me. She said like, you're top of the list and all that stuff, which also bothered me because it was like, I don't want to be on anyone's list. list. <laughs> right. Um, and I just knew like I was getting benched. Right. And like saved for another time. And, you know, when you're ready for something real, that that's something that stings. Um, and, you know, I, I would call her occasionally, but not on any type of regular basis. And she wouldn't answer the phone. So fine. Um, and there was one or two times where she did. But for the last year and a half, she was texting me like every couple months for whatever, like opportunistic reason. Right. Like, I got peacocks in Pasadena. So I brought her a peacock feather one. She thought that was really sweet. She happened to be at the zoo. She saw a peacock. She sent me a video of it, right? Weirdly opportunistic reasons. The most recent, and then she would like fall off and ghost me entirely. That would be it. I wouldn't hear from her right. until the next one came around. Uh, so recently I'm getting, um, and, and because of the way the Jewish community is, she has friends right, that are members at the synagogue where the day school is that, I, that you know, that I work at. And um, I was over at the 7-Eleven getting something to drink before class started, a chocolate milk, which I imagine you would expect any 43-year-old man to start his day with. For sure. That was my first thought. Exactly. 
So she texts me on the blue. She says, so-and-so saw you at 7-Eleven, right? And I'm thinking in my head, what is this? The fucking fourth grade? <laughs> and so, you know, I text back to her. I was like, oh, really? I thought I was dodging all your spies. I'm going to have to come up with a new route. Right. Um, and then, of course, there's a couple more text messages back and forth, a little flirtatious. Um, I call her. She doesn't pick up the phone. And then like two days later, I just write her a text and I'm like, listen, I need you to know that um, uh, this is exhausting for me, right? And these messages are cryptic. You reach out every couple of months for the last year and a half and they're brief text messages and then I don't hear from you again until the next one a couple of months later. And I enjoy the fact that you thought to text me, but uh, you know how I feel and um, this is exhausting, the highs and low of it. Is there anything that's, you know, um, is there something you can tell me? Is there something going on, right? Is there a reason for any of this? And she writes back just being friendly, but I can understand how it's confusing in the future moving forward, right? I, I won't reach out. And I was like, you know, thank you. I, you know, I enjoyed our time together and I wish it would have worked out. And she wrote, I, you know, enjoyed our time together as well. Um, and then that was it. And that felt really good, actually. It felt really good to be able to say that and to cut that off because now it's like, I'm not waiting for that to happen. I'm not wondering if that's going to happen. And more importantly, like, I'm not going out on dates thinking like, well, if something starts with this one and then I get a text message from her, what the fuck am I going to do about it? And it just yeah. wasn't fair and it wasn't polite. And, and in many ways, it's not even friendly. And if you say that, like, you understand what's going on, right? You understand the way I feel or how it could be confusing, then why are you doing it in the first place? Because a friend wouldn't do that either. Um, so it was just, that felt really good. It felt really, really good. That is awesome. Yeah. I think that's a story you should share, record it, because it's a powerful role model lesson. It is. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> find us on, on the internet. <laughs> that's right. You can find us on social media, friends, at the Jewish Divorce Project on Instagram and on Facebook. And our website, thejewishdivorceproject.com. You can email us, thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. Share your dating boundaries and how you're approaching dating now that it's 2023 and dating sucks. <laughs> Tune in next week to hear more positive, <laughs> powerful, and inspiring messages from Noam. <laughs> Bye, everyone. So